Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. If your wife has a burden, you need to carry that burden for her or at the very least carry it with her. If your wife hurts, then you need to hurt you, then you need to forgive her. If your wife is hurting, then you need to show her compassion. Because when we have hurt Jesus, he has forgiven us. When we are hurting, he shows us compassion. If your wife has a health issue, then you help, help her towards healing. You don't get frustrated. You don't get angry. You aren't meant to be harsh. Love your wives and don't be harsh to them. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Today we will be studying from the book of Colossians in the New Testament. And while we call it a book, it was really a letter originally written to people in a city called Colossae by the Apostle Paul. The reason Paul wrote this letter is because the members of this church were new to the Christian faith and they had many questions. They wanted to know what the gospel was, what they should do with old traditions from their community and faith, and how this newfound faith should impact their lives. The same thing this letter did for those so many years ago, it will do for us today. It will inform us, challenge us, and guide us towards what the gospel really is and how it can impact our lives. Please enjoy the message. Um, we are continuing in our study of Colossians, and, and I hope it's been as beneficial to you as it has been to me. It's been a really uh, a great blessing to me to be a part of this particular study. I've learned a lot, things that I, didn't, I did not know previously. I've understanding this text better than I've ever understood before. And one of, the, <clears throat> one of the things that has stood out to me the most, that's especially going to be true today, is how... Paul emphasizes the gospel, just, he has this huge emphasis on the gospel the first few chapters, and then he turns a quarter and begins to apply it into our personal lives. And, and what we're left with is what exactly does that look like for that to get applied into our personal lives? Well, I, I, I imagine it like this with this kind of an illustration. How many of you like to watch those uh, home renovation shows that you can stream on whatever service that you stream them on. And it's often in these particular shows that you'll see a home on the outside that looks like a shack. And, and it, looks, it looks like it's something that's just kind of barely hanging together or has been uh, incredibly neglected, to say the least. And then, after the renovation project, you see that the bones of, the, of this home are basically the same, but now there is wood, and there is screening, they've screened in the porch, and there's even maybe uh, brick where there wasn't brick, or stone where there wasn't stone. They've painted the outside of the home, and it looks beautiful. And then you get on the inside of the home, and you have a, a, an old, dated kitchen. It's got, still got old wallpaper. It's got the, that old, kind of oak-finished look to it, but it's really not oak. And then you got the old stove and it's just everything is old and then they jump in on that kind of a kitchen and they change it and now where, there, where there's wallpaper there's a backsplash where there was hardly any lighting they've got this cool recessed lighting and hanging lights and where there was just this really small area that everybody moved around in now there's an island that they've been able to somehow fit into it and it just looks amazing the renovation process that was able to, to take place. And often you'll find in these shows that it doesn't take a lot to renovate. Usually it's paint colors. Maybe it's, again, instead of a wallpaper, it's some paint. And, um, you know, instead of uh, just a regular old 
floor that, that, that really have a lot to it. Now you've laid some interlocking vinyl or something along those lines. And this is what I believe many people uh, believe about Jesus when it comes to their life. They, they see Jesus as more of an interior designer. He's the guy that's coming into your life and he's just going to add a, a new paint color because what you got's a little dated. He, and so he's going to rip up the vinyl flooring and put down a, nice, a nicer, more modern, more resilient floor. He's going to uh, maybe, again, add that backsplash. He's going to change out the appliances. But for all intents and purposes, really all you've got is just a mild upgrade because that's what interior designers do. The truth is, though, is that Jesus doesn't enter into any of our lives as an interior designer. He comes in as a demolition man with an excavator, and he's going to rip that thing apart, tear it down to the foundation, and then he's going to dig into the foundation. He's going to rip that up as well because he wants to be the foundation, not you. And he knows what's best, not us. And that's what he's wanting to do for our lives, especially... Our marriages, our parenting, and even our workplaces, which is what we are going to be honed in on today. And Paul says a few words to us that just reminds us of how the old is gone and the new has come in other letters that he wrote. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. He says this in Romans chapter 6, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live in a new life. In other words, there is something new that is getting rebuilt. And now as Paul says these words to us in Colossians that we're going to get to in a moment, we have to recognize a few principles that are at play here. The first is this, is that he is not condoning the practices of this ancient society because he's going to talk about slavery. But he doesn't just outright jump in and say this is wrong. He doesn't do that. Instead, in, the, in light of this system that the government had of his day had put in place, he is saying, here's how the gospel transforms that system. Here's how the gospel transforms that society. And he's going to talk about submission in the home and what exactly that ought to look like. That's not a very popular word nowadays. And what we got to recognize is that that was an ancient society in which men were known to behave in ways that is not acceptable. And it's not right. And so what exactly is he getting at? And what is he getting at with parenting even? How do we apply that to our lives? Well, again, that's what we're going to jump into. But we have to recognize he is not condoning the practices of this ancient society. And he is teaching us, though, how the gospel can transform the society. That is his priority. And so I'm going to give you a series of different dares because as you end up in a situation in which what we're, Paul's going to write in Colossians doesn't align with our society, and it doesn't. It didn't align with the society in that first century. It doesn't align with our society in the 21st century. As he's going to rebuild our lives, there's some risk that is involved, much like somebody giving you a dare. I dare you to do this. So I'm going to give you four different dares that relate to our relationships in our marriage, relate to our relationships in our, with our kids, and in our workplaces. And the first is this, is we got to let God guide our marriages. That doesn't sound like something that we necessarily want to resist, but let's see why that's so significant. He says, wives, submit yourselves. I mean, don't you just want to make me stop right there? Wives, submit yourselves. I don't write it, I just preach it, <laughs> to, to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. 
So what does that mean? Well, let's see what the next part is, and then we'll get back to that. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So let's start with husbands, first of all. Again, the husbands were known in this particular day to uh, berate their wives, to beat their wives. The wife had very little uh, value in this culture. There was some periodically, but it wasn't, it wasn't common. And they rarely were able to weigh in on anything of any consequence. And so what Paul is doing here, and the first thing that we have to recognize, is he's elevating the value of a woman in this society. He's elevating the woman. And he specifically in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Men, husbands, you got to love your wives the way that Christ loved the church. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We would love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. And again, those Sunday service times are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Now let's get back to our program. Now have you ever thought about how Christ loved the church? Well, I'll give you a few examples. He carries the burden of the church. And so if your wife has a burden, you need to carry that burden for her or at the very least carry it with her. If your wife hurts, then you need to hurt you. Then you need to forgive her. If your wife is hurting, then you need to show her compassion. Because when we have hurt Jesus, he has forgiven us. When we are hurting, he shows us compassion. If your wife has a health issue, then you help, help her towards healing. You don't get frustrated. You don't get angry. You aren't meant to be harsh. Love your wives and don't be harsh to them. And then... In that previous verse, he said, And wives, submit to your husbands. Again, not a very popular, as is fitting in the Lord, not a very popular phrase to say. But there's a few things that we got to understand about submission. Is submission is a choice. In other words, husbands, if you tell your wife that they need to submit to you, then you've already moved outside the bounds of what Paul is condoning here and saying that needs to happen. Submission is always a choice of the submittee. If there is no choice, then it is slavery, okay? Submission must align with revealed godly behavior. In other words, if your husband asks you to do something that is outside the bounds of what God has revealed, your ultimate submission as a believer in Jesus is to submit to God. 
And then we also have to understand that this submission is spiritual in nature. And that is really important. In Ephesians, he talks, Apostle Paul talks about how there needs to be mutual submission in the home. When it comes to parenting, I submit to my wife, okay? She knows what's best when it comes to parenting. But matter of fact, I submit to my wife on a lot of things that she knows better than me on. Um, and I know that that's the case in some of your homes. I, and this in no way applies to the government, and applies to, it applies to a corporation, it applies to other uh, facets of our, of our country. This is talking about the spirituality of a home and of a church, that there needs to be a divine order that's in place in order for there to be peace as God is a God of peace. So submission is spiritual in nature. Now let me take it another step to be more practical, so that you really understand where I'm going with this. If your husband asks you to pray, you should pray. That's submission, and that's really hard. And that's what Paul is getting at. There's disorder in this church in Colossae, as there is in nearly every local church. And often, there's disorder as it relates to gender and the roles that people have. And so, what he's saying is, is that when your husband says, I think we need to pray about this, even though you don't feel like it, even though you don't want to, submit to that. That's a really good thing. If your husband brings scripture into a decision, don't dismiss it. Instead, listen to it. That's a really important thing. You should allow God's word to guide you. And when a husband is bringing that into the conversation, that's a very healthy thing. If your husband is saying, we need to go to church, then, then you should go to church. Get, get on that bandwagon. Be a part of that. Help make that happen for your family. If your husband says we should serve, we should join a Bible study, we should give financially to the church, those are all things that you should probably be doing and they're really good to do, spiritually speaking, in your home and in the church. This is what we're getting at here. Obviously, some of you wives are really good with the money, much better than some of us husbands. You need to be managing the money. That's not what he's saying. Paul is saying here is that husbands, as you lead your home, spiritually speaking, that there is a divine order that's been put in place that God blesses. And so where does that leave us? Well, husbands, we need to be better spiritual leaders of our family. We need to prioritize praying. We need to prioritize uh, reading the scriptures. We need to prioritize these things. Um, we need to make it a point to be at church. We need to lead the family spiritually and speak into those things. That's what the responsibility that God has given us. And wives, you need to appreciate the type of spiritual leadership that your husband gives your family. And by spiritual leadership, what, what I'm talking about is, is that not every husband leads the same way. And, and I'll, I'll at times hear the discussion around the, around the fact that a wife would want a very deep, heartfelt 40-minute conversation about a scripture or a devotional thought. And some husbands just aren't very good at that. But you know what they are good at? They're good at loving their wives, loving their kids, making sure they get into church, they, they serve, they support a Bible study, they do all of these different things, but they may not necessarily be the best at putting words to a really deep spiritual thought. So it's not all about just saying that you, ha you have to be a spiritual leader in every aspect, men. 
what I'm saying is, is like you got to go after something and be a leader in some capacity. And so wives, appreciate the spiritual leadership that your husband gives the family, but husbands acknowledge you have to be a better spiritual leader for your family. You have to be somebody that lives by faith and not by fear. And you're humble and you're not proud. Things along those lines. I know this stuff isn't popular, but here's the rub is that we cannot allow the culture and the society to dictate what it is that we're supposed to believe. That doesn't ever go well. We need to allow the Bible to transform the culture and the society because when that really does happen, it does go well. The second dare that I have for you that again is risky is children, honor your parents. Children, honor your parents. This is what he says in Colossians. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Our, our culture would tell you this though. Culture says parents obey your children rather than children obey your parents. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com. It's there that you can click on the Give tab, and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, we wouldn't want you to just be a supporter of ours. We want you to attend one of our services in person to be a part of the experience that we have here at Valley View Christian Church. We offer three service times on Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And it's at each one of these services that we record the messages that you hear here on Hope for the Day. Now let's get back to today's broadcast. Now, to be a bit fair to culture, I've had many a moment that looks like this, in which I'm barely getting by, and I'm losing it because I got a child who's losing it, and I don't know exactly how to handle it, and they want something generally that I don't want to give them. Case in point, not long ago, I had a child of mine that wanted some bubble gum because I was not smart, and I pulled out a piece of bubble gum, and I started chewing it not too long before dinner, and so naturally, my child wanted a piece of gum as well. Well, I said, no, you, I can't give you a piece of gum. You, you haven't had dinner yet. Well, that led into a tantrum. And then that tantrum continued to escalate to crying, to screaming, to continuing to want the piece of bubble gum. Now, how many of you here actually think I gave my kid a piece of bubble gum? Gave him that whole piece? Yeah. All right, thank you that you have that much confidence in me. I didn't give them the whole piece. I only gave her a half a piece. <laughs> but... But it is difficult when it comes to uh, not allowing our children to be the leaders in our home. And so parents, we, we need to lead our kids. And I'm going to touch a little bit more of that in a moment. But children, you got to honor your parents. Honor your parents when they set you a curfew. 
Honor your parents when, when they don't want you to hang around certain friends. Honor, honor your parents. Obey them when they give you chores around the house. Children, obey your parents when they tell you to act properly. These things are so important, not just practically, not just so that way our homes function properly, but even spiritually, because a child learns their obedience to God by first learning their obedience to a parent. And I'll tell you, it's, it's few and far between the kid that is more obedient to God than they were to their parent. Generally, whatever level of obedience they have to the parent, God is a little below that bar. That's usually how it goes. The Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 6. He said, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live, along, live long on the earth. And so there's a great promise that even comes along with honoring your parents. Again, Paul is talking about divine orders here. He's talked about the husband and the wives and it's not in any way, shape, or form meant to, for anybody to mistreated. The same thing is true with parents and with children. There's a divine order that allows for peace to take place in a home and there's a promise that it will go well with you if you do this and this is important for many of you whose parents are still alive because that this this command doesn't stop when you turn 18 it doesn't stop when you turn 28 and it doesn't stop when you turn 38 or 48 or 58 or however old you are and your parents are still around this never stops and that's been hard for me because I I had a I had a falling out with my mother about the time I got married and our relationship was never really the same, has never been the same since then. It's hard to do this. It's hard to honor your parent. But to honor your parent means that you return their phone call within a day or two. To honor your parent means to take them out to lunch or breakfast every month or so. To honor your parent means to consider their advice and request instead of just blowing it off. This is tough, and I have failed at every single one of these multiple times. We are called to honor our parents, and even when that may not be all that popular, but that's what the gospel does, not just to society, it does to our homes. And here's the third dare I have for you. Parents, take control of your home. Again, it's not just society telling us to do what the children uh, tell us to do. We, as parents, often just do what our kids want us to do, and we need to take control of our homes. Colossians 3 says, fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Fathers and mothers, that there's a point at which we push the child over the edge. We embitter them, we discourage them, and they begin to shut down on us. And so parents, there's a few ways that we embitter our children. Now in this society, fathers were known to be particularly harsh. They were known to really weigh in heavily on the kids. But parents, we gotta be careful that we don't embitter our children. And the one way is by being overbearing. It's by continually telling them that their best is never good enough. And to be clear here, what I'm not telling you to do is to not set high standards for your kids. Because we live in a society that's trying to make it as easy as it possibly can be to become an adult. And we need people that are raising kids up with really high standards. And so you may look at a kid, like we often do in our home, and they'll be crying because they struggle with their homework. 
sometimes you just are going to shed a few tears, okay? We got to encourage them to finish those assignments. We got to encourage them to get through the work. But there's a borderline in which we cross a line and we begin to embitter them. And what's interesting about the Apostle Paul, one biblical commentator put it this way. He feels like the Apostle Paul is writing this from his own personal experience. And he says, there is here a quivering note of personal emotion. And it seems as though the heart of the aged Paul was reverting to his past and recalling the loveless years of his own childhood. Nurtured in the austere atmosphere and traditional orthodoxy, he had experienced scant tenderness and much severity and had known the plague of a youthful, broken spirit. And so Paul was pushed to the brink. And so as he's saying this, he probably experienced a father that often discouraged him and embittered him. And so when do you cross the line of being overbearing? Well, there's probably a few ways, but I'll tell you one. The moment you start to take it personal, you're going to cross the line. You're going to cross that line of being overbearing. I, I was just dealing with similar scenarios this just yesterday so just talk about pushing through so we had a basketball game I'm coaching this team and and this kid he just started crying in the middle of the game well unfortunately we have to bring today's message to a close but my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you that's always our hope here at hope for the day did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.